that each person, each baptismal candidate has selected a song that we're going to sing after they uh, are baptized, except for Chloe. Well, we've chosen one for her. So I'm Chloe, and most of you know me, so I'm just going to share a bit of my testimony. So I've always known about God for as long as I can possibly remember, but I never really understood that I couldn't do life without God until a few years ago. And I remember having a fight with my parents and realizing that it was so hard to obey them because they just made me so angry, and I wanted to know why other kids could have it so much easier and they had an easier time obeying their parents. And I realized it wasn't because they had it easier. It was because I wasn't asking for help from God. And I realized it was, and it helped me to think of how blessed I was to know that God had died for me and that I could trust in that and remember that. And I just praise God for the change and growth in me. And I thank you. Thank God for everything. And I feel like I'm stronger and have more patience and self-control. Thank you. Chloe, because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your trust entirely in him, and because of your testimony before God and this congregation, your dad now will baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There's a reason why the darkness runs from us. Stand here now for prayer. Jesus is alive. Praise the King. Praise the King. He is risen. Praise the King. He's alive. Praise the King. My name is Taylor Surratt, and I'm just going to share a bit of my journey with you. So, um, I was raised in a Christian home where I was taught that I needed my sins forgiven and that God would forgive my sins if I would accept the payment Christ made on my behalf on the cross. When I was young, I asked God to forgive my sins and bring me into his forever family. At that point, my life, at that point in my life, it was probably more of a head understanding than a heart understanding. Around the age of 12, I began getting up really early every day before school to read my Bible and devotions. I had a phenomenal seventh grade teacher, Mr. Diella, who is a Christian, and that made my morning routines much easier as he gave me another model to follow and he gave me the boldness to acknowledge my faith at school. After a while, this routine died, mostly because my heart was becoming more interested in other things and I hated waking up early. My Bible was only making appearances on Sundays. By the end of grade eight, I didn't want to go to church most of the time and I cared so much about what people around me thought of me. 
I was starting to distance myself from my family, and I would sit on social media comparing myself to others and finding that the path of the world was looking very attractive. The summer going into grade nine, I started going to a church youth group in the city. I, at first, I started going because the guy that I liked had invited me and because, of his, and because his friend group had quickly welcomed me into their group. I was constantly hanging out with them, and I replaced the time that I spent with my family during the day with my new friends. The guy that I liked from the youth group and I were sort of in a relationship, despite our parents advising we just be friends. But we were stubborn, and we continued our little non-dating, dating relationship through social media that our parents couldn't easily monitor and group hangouts that were planned at other friends' houses. My parents knew that these friends weren't strong in their faith, but I just liked the fact that they really liked me and that they were fun. I hung out with them for the entire summer and into my first semester of grade nine. Looking back, grade nine might have been the worst and best year of my life. By worst, I mean this. Between transitioning from elementary school into a huge high school with a lot of people, to having a very difficult math teacher, and most of all, my fear of people's judgment, grade nine was just really hard. I continued to head down a road, a road of deceit that, be, that I began in the summer, and it only got worse as I continued. I began lying to my parents constantly and going to school in clothes that my parents deemed appropriate, and then changing or altering the outfit to what the other girls were wearing. I was extremely self-conscious of what people thought of me. People's opinion of me mattered so much that I threw away my own person to become another basic clone of all of the other girls. Come October, my youth group's fall retreat was taking place. On the first night there, one of my really good friends in the group told me that the guy that I was with liked and had been flirting with a girl from his school, who was also a really close friend of mine on my volleyball team. The entire weekend was torture for me because I was around him and he didn't know that I had found out that he liked this other girl. When he did find out I knew, he was careless with my heart and told me that it didn't matter to him that I knew. I was completely broken. Not only had he basically cheated on me, but I had put so much of my worth in what he thought of me. I spent the rest of the night completely broken and not knowing what to do. After the trip, he apologized to me and told me that I was the only person that he wanted. So we got back together, but another incident happened like this and we were over for good. I was now feeling the sting and heartache that my parents had tried to protect me from by pointing me towards God's best plan for relationships. Getting over him was very difficult because I let my worth get wrapped up in his affection for me. To help bolster my wounded worth, I decided to move towards a school friend who I had known liked me in the past. But very shortly into that relationship, I felt what I now know was the Holy Spirit's conviction on my heart. This friend was not a Christian, and I knew to, that to willingly go into a relationship with a guy who didn't share my faith or have the same moral convictions would be dangerous. I quickly ended that, which was good, but I hurt a friend and damaged a relationship in the process. All I kept experiencing from my choices were more painful consequences. After this, I was totally lost and I didn't know what to do. At this point, even though my parents were pursuing me, I had completely shut them out of my life. I was depressed and scared because I felt like my life was out of control. I felt worthless and I started thinking that life would be so much easier if I wasn't around to mess up anymore. Looking back, I can see that sin never delivers the fun and happiness it promises. I was completely miserable. A few days after, I had all of these thoughts. I had been shutting myself in my room. I got a text from one of my amazing youth group leaders, Katie. It said, hey girl, how are you? How's your weekend been? It was as simple as that, but I felt as like someone who wasn't obligated to love me, cared about me despite all of my pessimistic thoughts. At about the middle of November, I decided to tell my parents everything that had happened over the past five months. I was met with compassion, love, and forgiveness. Though I couldn't have imagined it beforehand, things were great after I told them. I was so happy I did. I realized that my head knowledge of needing Jesus had finally become heart knowledge. I believe that Jesus Christ is God, who came in the flesh, lived a perfect life, died in my place, and rose from the dead to secure my eternal place with him. Last, this last year had taught me th 
that I needed him in a way I hadn't understood before. I surrendered my will to his plan for my life, asking him to forgive what I had done in all those months. I began to strategically distance myself from the group of from that group of unhelpful friends, which left me feeling quite lonely. But with my mom as my new best friend and finally having a strong relationship with God, I powered through. Though it was harder to go to youth group not having friends there, I still went regularly despite what had happened, but now going for the right reasons. I wanted the biblical teaching and to participate in the worship ministry. I became close with some of my youth group leaders, which was great, that and that helped me sustain me until new friendships would form with godly girls. On the bus trip down to our winter retreat, my awesome youth pastor, Luke Crawford, agreed to be my bus buddy, listened to me, rocked out with me to great music, and prayed with me. It was exactly what I needed going into this weekend, where I felt a bit friendless. On the retreat, I was welcomed by a group of sweet girls from the youth group who shared my interests and were more serious about living in a way that pleased God. It was a great weekend for self-discovery, and it was a lot of fun. Coming back after the weekend, feeling refreshed and even stronger in my faith just felt amazing. I thought I had been on the youth... Though I had been on the youth group worship team for the whole school year, it was really cool how the worship impacted me and resonated with me now that I was in a right place with God. As many of you know, music is a huge part of my life. A song that really hit me in my transition from my old self to new self was From the Inside Out by Hillsong. My heart and my soul, I give you control. Consume me from the inside out, Lord. When I heard this chorus, I realized that this is exactly what I wanted. I wanted to surrender my life to God give him control, and have him change me to serve a much more exciting and greater purpose than the pursuit of my own pleasure. Another song that touched me was Come As You Are by David Crowder. So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame, all who are broken, lift up your face. A wanderer, come home, you're not too far. So lay down your hurt, lay down your heart, and come as you are. I had heard this song many, I had heard this song many times before I truly listened to the lyrics. It didn't matter what I had done or how worthless and broken I was feeling. God wanted me to come to him so he could fix me and make me whole again. And that's exactly what he did. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I've seen this firsthand in my experience because I'm not the same person I was a year ago. Before, I could easily lie to cover my sin and bad choices, but now I don't want to lie, and I want to be known as a person with high integrity. Before, I was beginning to mimic um, moods and poses of other girls on social media, and after, I deleted all my moody, sad-looking posts from social media and replaced them with pictures of God's creation, my family and friends, and pictures of me smiling. Before, I found the intrigue of romantic relationships strong enough that I would defy my parents and compromise wisdom. Now I realize the importance of being a prize to be won and waiting for a noble man to come along. Before, I felt confused, lost, and stumbling, questioning my worth and purpose. Now I am full of hope and joy as God is clearly showing me who he has made me to be and how I should live my life in accordance with his plan. Speaking of that, in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Before, I had trusted in my own understanding and was charting on my own path. But it wasn't straight and it wasn't easy. One of the blessings of trusting Jesus Christ has been the way he has directed me lately. I'm seeing how he can use everything he's given me, music, athletics, leadership, for his, purpose, for his purposes and for his glory. Over the summer, by working at different camps, I realized how much I love working with kids. At one of the camps, I had an amazing group of girls that had just finished grade six. Being able to share my testimony with them and watching how intently they listened to me was so cool. I loved the thought, I loved the thought that I can help someone in their life and walk with the Lord in the same way my leaders have helped me. Though God caused great changes in my life this last year, I still have areas of my life that are going to need more work. But I know the Bible promises that God will finish what he starts. 
So I look forward to what lies ahead as I move forward on this journey of walking with God. I want to take this step of obedience to publicly declare that I choose to follow Jesus Christ. And I want to take this opportunity with my spiritual family and friends to thank God for doing in my life what I could never do for myself. Well, uh, that is very encouraging. Um, I just want to say, um, this is kind of new for me. I haven't done a whole lot of baptisms before, but Taylor and Avery have had much practice at this. Uh, Years ago, you'd catch them in the tub, and Taylor would say to Avery, Avery, do you trust Jesus for your sins? (laughs) Yes. Do you love mom? Yes. And then the whole thing would just go. And they would do it dozens and dozens of times. So anyway, uh, Taylor, because of your, I'm going to put the mic down. Hannah, and I'm going to be sharing my testimony with you. I've been raised in a Christian home, and we go to church every Sunday. Growing up, I loved going to Sunday school and learning about Jesus and how he died for me. When I was almost five, my Sunday school teachers started mentioning things. About heaven and hell that I didn't really understand. A few months before I turned five, I started thinking about the whole heaven and hell thing. So I decided to ask God into my life, even though I didn't really understand, simply because I did not want to go to hell with Satan. As I got older, I started to not want to go to church and learn more about God. 
I was drifting away from God, and I was drifting very fast. As months passed, I started to blame God for things, and I pushed him completely out of my life and wanted nothing to do with him. I wanted to live my life my own way. I didn't think I needed God. Things just kept getting worse and worse. And by the time I was 11, I was treating my parents with such disrespect and fury. They didn't even know who I was anymore. What had happened to their little girl? I shut everyone out of my life. I was yelling and lying. I was losing friends. I wanted nothing to do with God, and I didn't care what the Bible said. But my parents were so calm, cool, and collected, and they didn't repay evil for evil. They repaid evil with kindness, love, and gentleness. And to be honest, I don't know how they did it. Satan had a good grip on me, but God wasn't done with me just yet. This all continued until early this year when I was asked to a youth conference in April. I went not really thinking anything of it. There were sports, so I was kind of sold. It was the last day of this youth conference, and the pastor was speaking on the Lamb's Book of Life in Revelation 13. Verses 8 to 10 say, And all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the Lamb uh, in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword must he be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. He went on to make the point that whoever's name is not written in the Lamb's book of life will go to hell with Satan and the other non-believers. Then he said that the change in your spiritual life had to be a spiritual change and not just an emotional change. He then explained God's crucifixion and death in a very horrifying way. John 19, verses 1 to 2, 17, 28 to 30 say, Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. So they took Jesus, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished, and bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Knowing that God would give up his own life for me made me very sad. The way I had treated God these past few years, I deserved that punishment. And I was too worried about myself to realize that God loves me, and no matter what I do, I can disappoint him, but I can never lose his love for me. It was on April 27, 2017, that I really realized that I was a horrible sinner in need of God's grace. I was in desperate need of a Savior. That night, I believed that Jesus is the Son of God, that he lived a perfect life and died on the cross for my sins. He took my punishment upon himself and paid my sin debt. I believed he was raised from the dead and he will return for me and all those who have their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life and permanently engraved on the Savior's hands. And I still believe that today. After I accepted Jesus into my life, things got so much better at home. I love reading my Bible and learning more about God. Church is now so much more enjoyable, knowing that when Pastor Adam talks on heaven, that I will be there someday with Jesus. I am restoring trust and friendships with people, and no, nothing matters more to me than displaying Christ to friends and family. And the reason I stand here today sharing my testimony with you is because my parents and my Savior, Christ Jesus, didn't give up on me, and I cannot thank them enough. Today, when we go under the water, it will be an outward display of an inward change. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This verse is saying that God loved the world so much that he was willing to give up his only Son that he ever had so that we could live with him because he loved us so much. It was something that none of us deserved. 
And Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We have a free choice. We can choose God and live eternally with him, or we can reject him and his offer of salvation. I'm so thankful that God gave his only son to take my punishment on the cross so that I could be reconciled to him and live in heaven with him eternally. Hannah, because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and because of your public testimony before this congregation and before God, your dad will now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. My name is Allie. I've been attending church my whole life. I first gave my life to Jesus at least eight years ago, and I've done it again a few times when I felt like something had changed. When I first did, I remember sitting on the floor beside my bed, cramped and on top of my fence, so I was freezing, but I didn't care because I was busy telling Jesus I needed him in my heart. That was kind of the little kid, Jesus, I need you in my heart. It all started bubbling and really growing when these things happened, and I understood that I needed a savior because I wasn't good enough. My dream has been for a long time wanting to know what God's calling is for me. A few years ago, I watched the movie War Room. It was the most important movie I had ever watched because I thought it was so inspiring. I made my own war room under my bed and went under there quite regularly enjoying a relationship with God. This includes praying, writing down my prayer, and I would always go to the back of my Bible. And for each of the problems I had, I would look up a verse, read it, write it down under my prayer, and then hang it up under my bed. Unfortunately, I was sick of smelling cat pee, and when I stopped going under my bed, my relationship with God stopped too. Now, I still don't go under there, but every time I see the papers hanging under my bed, I pray. 
After that, I read a book called Never Ever Give Up. It was and still is my favorite book. It made me feel like I was fulfilling God's calling for me. I've been thinking about being baptized for more than a year, but I was always too scared to ask for some reason. Now looking back, I have no idea why I waited to ask. About a month and a bit ago, I had my first conversation with my mom and dad. I was so excited because I had been thinking I want to be baptized because I don't see a point in any other religion. Plus, I have no evidence that any other religion is real. The Bible studies I have done, all the things I've been taught, points towards and is evidence towards Christianity. I want to live for him for the rest of my life. I'm so thankful for all that he's done in my life. I can't imagine my life without him. Allie, because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and because of your testimony before this congregation and before God, your dad will now baptize you in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Levi, before Christ, I, I, before I met Christ, I was a sinner. I lied to my parents and fought with my siblings. I need a savior. God spoke to me through Mr. Clink. It stuck out to me because he had some of the same thoughts of church. Like it was a pain because he would miss out on things. Now I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again on the third day for my sins. After I was changed, I lied less to my parents. I did not fight as much with my siblings. I thank God for all this. Thank you. <laughs> 